This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. A lot of comedy shows have a character that seemingly is not all there, if you know what I mean. Not really slow-witted, but maybe extremely naive. I'm, I'm thinking of characters like, well, Gracie Allen, Jerry Lewis, or even uh, Lou Costello. But I've got someone who can top all of them when it comes to playing someone whose elevator doesn't go all the way to the penthouse, if you know what I mean. Uh, that would be my friend Irma. My Friend Irma, created by writer-director-producer Cy Howard, was a top-rated, long-run radio situation comedy that spawned a media franchise. It was so popular in the 1940s that its success escalated to films, television, a comic strip, even a comic book. Marie Wilson portrayed the titled character Irma Peterson. Let's see what's up with that scatterbrained stenographer from Minnesota. Here's the episode that was first aired in 1948. Folks, later we'll announce the winners of the first Lever Purr contest. But now, Lever Brothers Company, makers of Swan, the soap with the exclusive super creamed blend, presents Our friend Swan with my friend Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship when other friendships have been forgotten. Prayers will still be hot. My friend Irma. Stacy, I'm a girl who never says I know all the answers, but with all modesty, I figure I know my way around. Then suddenly my roommate Irma Peterson comes out with one of her remarks, and mother, I'm back at the lost and found department again. <laughs> Take a classic example like last night. When I came home, I found Irma peering into a large kettle of water in which she dumped a bag of pretzels. Well, that stopped me, so I said, Honey, why are you soaking those pretzels? And Irma said, I couldn't buy any pretzel sticks, so I'm trying to straighten these out. <laughs> For a minute, I was tempted to do the same thing to her. But, knowing Irma, I just forgot the whole thing. Anyway, that was last night. Tonight, I'm going through some letters that have accumulated in the desk. Jane. Dear Jane, just a line to let you... Hmm? What, honey? Why do you save all your old letters? Well, they're mostly from relatives, and since I don't see my relatives very often, it sort of makes me feel they're right here visiting with me. Oh, I know what you mean, Jane. I still have all my old report cards. From school? Yes, they always used to kid me. When I was in school, they said I'd never get out of there unless it burned down. Yeah. 
<laughs> How did you get out? It burned down. <laughs> Jane, you never told me very much about your relatives. Well, honey, there isn't much to tell. Most of my family live in New England. They're fairly successful. My father had a drugstore, and, and my mother's just like all mothers, a little beyond the descriptive power of words. Gee, I can still see us on Thanksgiving. You know, Mom would make a turkey, and we'd all gather around and help her stuff it. Gee, gee, it makes me homesick. It's the same way at our house. Mother would bake a cake, and, oh, we'd all gather around and help her try to lift it out of the oven. <laughs> you know, honey, while we're on the subject of families, it's just occurred to me that you've been going with Al for quite some time, and you know nothing of his background. Come to think of it, I don't. Oh. Did he ever mention any brothers or sisters? No. In fact, he never even mentioned a mother or father. <laughs> He's probably an only child. <laughs> yeah. Came out of an egg. <laughs> you know, Irma, I, I get kind of disgusted with you sometimes. Now, here is a man with whom you're contemplating marriage, and you know nothing about him. Remember, honey, when you marry a man, you marry his family. Come in. It's only me, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> Hello, Janie and Irma, my two little rooftops, one with a loose shingle. Why, Professor. Excuse me, a little joke I picked up from a carpenter. <laughs> well, what's new, Jamie? Oh, Professor, I'm having another one of my sessions with Irma. You see, I'm trying to convince her that it's important that she find out about Al's family as long as she's got matrimony on her mind. Oh, sure, Irma. Jane is right. It's very important that you know the background of the person you intend to marry. You know, there are two things that shape a man's character. Heredity and environment. Well, I, I don't know what they mean. Well, that's simple. Heredity is like when you say, his father was a bum and he's a bum. <laughs> What's environment? That's when you come from a house full of bums. <laughs> of course, Irma. I know sometimes it's hard to trace a man's origin. Take me. I can't tell you where I was born because I don't know. Why not? When I was a little baby, I was found by a band of gypsies. For 12 years, I lived in a cave. It was dark and wet and cold. Oh, that's terrible. What do you mean terrible? I live better then than I do now upstairs. <laughs> But fortunately, I turned out to be a charming fellow. <laughs> well, I think Al is all right, and I don't want to private, pry into his private life. Come in. Hello, girls. Oh, it's you, Mrs. O'Reilly. Come on in. Oh, there you are, Professor. Jenny, hold her back. Why? What, 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 what's wrong? What happened? Oh, I don't mind a little kidding about me age, but this time the professor's gone too far. Look at the note I found on the door. Let me see Yesterday was Washington's birthday, so I must stick to the facts. When Washington chopped down the cherry tree, tell me, Mrs. O'Reilly, did you hand him the axe? <laughs> oh, Professor. Well, you tell her to leave me alone. One minute she flirts with me, and the next she nags me for the rent. I don't want to have anything to do with her for love or money. Oh, you! No, 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 please, the two of you, now, now, hush. Uh, look, Irma, to get back to Al and his family... Oh, it's no use talking. I'm not going to ask Al about his family background. Oh, but you should, me darling. I remember when I was a young girl. Oh, 
It seemed like yesterday. <laughs> Believe me, Mrs. O'Reilly, it's been a long day in between. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is that one day I met a policeman on a horse. What a beautiful animal. In two weeks we were married. Where did you go on your honeymoon? Santa Anita? Now listen here, you. I don't mind your picking on me, but I'm trying to explain to Irma how important a man's family is. Sure, sweetie. We're just doing it for your own good. If Al was half a man, he'd tell you about himself. Well, Jane, don't be ridiculous. If he was half a man, he'd be too short for me. <laughs> oh, that must be Al. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hi, chicken. Hello, Al, honey. We were just running along, Al. Come on, Mrs. O'Reilly. I got a surprise for you. Surprise? Certainly. I'll show you the new window the wind put in my wall. <laughs> Goodbye, girls. Sorry they went. Wanted to tell them about my new deal. Oh, no. Another one of your deals? What is it this time, Al? Putting feathers on frogs and selling them for squabs? <laughs> oh, no. Nothing so amateurish. Got one a little off the beaten track. It's a special jacket for suspicious characters. So when a cop says, stick them up, a skirt falls down, he ain't got the nerve to frisk it. Gosh, Jane, wasn't it lucky? Wasn't I lucky to, to hook a fella like Al? I'm not so sure. I'd like to see the ones that got away. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to take a shower. Uh, honey, where's my shower cap? Oh, I lent it to Professor Kropotkin. It rained last night. Oh, it's grand. Well, I won't wet my hair. I'll just stand on my head. Caustic character? Well, Chicken, what are we waiting for? Let's you and I take over the sofa. No, Al, I, I don't sit on the sofa with strangers. Strangers? Chicken, what are you talking about? Al, I don't know anything about you. Chicken, do you like the way I put my arms around you? Yes. Do you like the way I kiss you? The way I let you sit on my lap? Yes. And how can you say you don't know anything about me? That's beside the point. A man's lap has nothing to do with his background. <laughs> Chicken, I don't get it. Al, before I let you kiss me, I I'd like to know something about your family tree. Chicken, I don't like this question. Shows a lack of trust. And true love can only exist on mutual confidence. It's got to be 50-50. What do you mean, 50-50? You don't ask me any questions, I don't give you any answers. <laughs> you get it? Yes, that's 50-50. Okay, Chicken, let's get back to the sofa. Oh, Al, we're not making any progress. We're getting back to the sofa. To me, that's progress. Oh, Al, I insist on knowing about your family. Well, Chicken, if nothing else will satisfy you, there's only one man who can help us. Who else? Who else but... Hello, Joe. <laughs> Al, got a problem. Joe, your folks used to know most of my relatives. I I've been away so long, I kind of forgot. What were they like? Uh-huh. 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 Mm hmm What else is new, Joe? <laughs> no, no, Joe, thanks. You don't have to give me the visiting days. Them joints give me the chills. <laughs> hey, goodbye, Joe. Well, did you find out anything about your family? Joe didn't know a thing. Well, what were you saying about visiting days? Uh, they're all expecting babies. Al, you're not fooling me. You don't want me to know about your family. Oh, look, chicken, can't we discuss this some other time? 
I got to meet the boys. So I think I'll be running along. But chicken, ain't you going to kiss me? No, Al. You have no sisters, no brothers, no cousins or uncles, no one to identify you. How do I know it's you? <laughs> no, Al. Goodbye. Well, if that's the way you feel, where's my coat? Goodbye. Cry, sweetie. He'll be back. Oh, gee, it's all my fault. I shouldn't have insisted in finding out about his past. After all, you love the guy, and I... Irma, what's that envelope on the floor by your feet? Envelope? Oh, this? Yeah. Is it yours? No. Oh, Jean, it has Al's name on it. Maybe he left me a note. I'll read it. Yeah, honey, honey, if it's addressed to Al, you shouldn't read his mail. It, it... <laughs> oh, yeah. What is it, sweetie? It's a letter to Al from another woman. It says, Dear baby, I just read your last letter and it brought back those tender moments when I held you in my arms. <laughs> Honey, let me see that letter. Oh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Oh, so that's her name. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, he can have Miss Jersey. <laughs> heart is broken. Just broken. I've never seen her so upset since the night she thought Al called her an animal because he invited her to the Elks dinner. <laughs> anyway, now she's convinced that Al is leading a double life, and since in a way I'm kind of responsible for the turn of events, I've decided to get to the bottom of this whole affair, and I've phoned Al to come right over. Come in. Oh, Janie. Where's Irma? She went out. Al? I want to start off by telling you that I think you are the lowest type of cad there is. And that your despicable behavior is only equaled by your unmitigated, low-down, conniving methods. Look, Jane, if you call me down here just for a character analysis... Uh, <laughs> Al, how could you do such a horrible thing? What horrible thing? Well, all right, I'll come to the point. Who is this other woman you've been running around with? Other woman? Jane, what kind of a dope do you take me for? I love Irma. Now, listen, Al, you're not playing with children. Take a look at this letter. Irma found it. Let me see. My darling baby. Oh, so that's where I lost it. Jane, this is part of a letter my mother wrote to me. Your mother? You have a mother? <laughs> well, sure I got a mother. How do you think I got here? War surplus? <laughs> I got a mother in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Well, why have you been keeping it a secret? I can understand your mother not wanting it to get around, but I... Uh, <laughs> but, but surely Irma should know. Well, I know, Jane, but it's a pretty delicate situation. You see, I'm all my mom has got in this world, and, well, I've been sort of pulling a little wool over her eyes. 
You mean she thinks you're working? More than that. I told her I'm a big success. See, I sent her half my unemployment check, and with the little that Pop left her, she gets by okay. And I'd rather die than disillusion her. Yeah, but, but Al, doesn't she question the fact that you only send her $10 if you're so important? Well, she did. But I explained that if I didn't practice thrift, I would never have become president of General Motors Corporation. <laughs> Al, how could you ever get your mother to believe that? Oh, I had Joe print up these letterheads. Yeah, let me see. General Motors Corporation. Assets, $60 million. President, Al. Address, main office, general delivery, box 42, New York City. Oh, Al. You think I'm a crumb, huh, Jane? No. No, Al, I, I, I think I kind of like you a little more than I did five minutes ago. I wouldn't want you to hurt your mother. Oh, thanks, Jane. I, I figured you'd understand. Yeah, but I'm the smallest part of your problem, Al. Irm is certain you're carrying on with another girl, and there's only one way to clear the whole thing up. Oh. Invite your mother over here so we can meet her. Uh, then Irma will see for herself. Well, I want Mom to meet Irma, but I'm afraid she might learn the truth about me, and that'd break her heart. Yeah, but don't worry, Al. I'll back you up in everything you say. When I'm finished, your mother will think you own the Taj Mahal. Okay, Jane, I'll call her up and have her here in an hour. Good, Al, that'll be fine. I'm sure Irma will have finished committing suicide by then, and she'll be back. <laughs> right, Jane. And, and look, whatever you do... No remarks about me being unemployed. Oh, no, no. Uh, but, but Al, how, how about your suit? Huh? How will you explain all those creases? Looks like it's been pressed in a mix master. <laughs> oh, uh, I always tell Mom I don't have time to go to the bank, and my pockets are full of stocks and bonds. If you're looking for Amber Lipstock, come right in. Hello, Amber. Irma, what are you doing up here in the Bronx? Oh, Amber, I'm in the dumps. Look, dearie, this place is just as good as where you live. <laughs> I didn't mean that, Amber. Irma, oh. you're crying. Oh, Amber, it's happened. I'm miserable. That can only mean one thing. You got married. <laughs> I never want to look another man in the face, and his name is Al. What happened, dearie? My Al's a two-timer. He's been going out with another woman. Oh, it's the same old story. You never can trust a man. And if you do find one you can trust, he ain't worth trusting. <laughs> oh, Amber, I'm so disappointed. I always thought my Al was different from other men. Well, he is different. He don't work. <laughs> Say, how did you find out about this other woman, Irma? Oh, I found a letter from her Oh, Amber, it's so hard to believe Maybe I made a mistake Maybe maybe Al can explain it somehow Dearie, they all have alibis He'll give you some line like, uh, like it was his dear old mother <laughs> Well, don't fall for it So many guys have used that excuse when they two-time me that for a while I thought every day was Mother's Day. <laughs> but Amber, I love him, and, and I'd like to give him a, a chance to explain. I, I know he wouldn't pull that old mother line on me. Well, go ahead and find out. Cool him up. I think I will. 
and I'll show him. Just for that, I won't tell him about that extra unemployment check waiting for him. Hello? Hello, Albert? Chicken! I've been trying to reach you. Don't you chicken me, you... you... Amber, is this a party line? Yeah. Al, someday if you ever call me on a private wire, I'll tell you what I think of you. No, no, wait a minute, Irma. I can explain. That letter you found is from my mother. Your mother? Amber, you were right. Chicken, I don't know what you're mumbling about, but I'm bringing my mother to your apartment in an hour. So you'll be there to meet her, huh? Goodbye. Well, dearie, he says it's his mother. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> but Al is bringing over to my apartment to meet me. Ha! <laughs> He's probably having his girlfriend dress up like an old lady just to fool you. If I were you... The minute I got in the door, I'd grab her wig and pull it right off. Yeah, I'm still a lady, Amber. I just want to tell Al what I think of him, that's all. Yeah, well, 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 just tell him he's a, he's a 20th century bluebeard with the spine of a jellyfish, and you've had your fill of his line, and that somewhere there's a man who'd like to meet a nice blonde like you. Thanks, Amber. I'll try to remember. And look, Amen. Don't worry about losing that guy, Al. You can always get a fell up here in the Bronx. They may not be Noel Coward, but to me, pants is pants. <laughs> Come in. Hello, Jane. I'd like to have you meet my mother. Just call her Mom. Oh, I'm very glad to know you, Mom. Come on in. Make yourself comfortable. Thank you, Jane. Albert has told me all about you. Where's Irma? Oh, she'll be here shortly. I, I, I was just about to have some tea. You join me? Oh, thank you. I drink as much tea as I can. You see, I feel that it helps Albert. Helps Albert? Yes, it comes from India. And Albert tells me he has a place there called the Taj Mahal. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Well, Mom, I, I'm, uh, I'm surprised I haven't met you before, but I don't suppose you come to Manhattan very often. No, I don't like to bother my Albert. You see, I'm just a little old lady, and my son is so busy and so important. After all, it takes time to run a big business like General Motors and General Electric. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. Did you say General Motors and General Electric? Certainly. He also owns General Mills. <laughs> but he doesn't talk about that. That's just for pin money. Yes, I understand. I keep telling Albert he shouldn't work so hard. After all, one million more or less, what does it matter? Your health comes first. Ah, oh, ma. <laughs> well, I guess it's better than having a son who's lazy and un unambitious. Why, I understand some men never work at all. They just sit around and collect unemployment checks every week. But not my Albert. <clears throat> Excuse me. It got kind of hard to swallow. The tea, that is. As you were saying, I suppose uh, men like that are pretty low. Yes, but thank goodness my Albert is different. I was so afraid he'd be like his father, Albert Sr. He never worked? No, he was always working on some kind of a deal, but never made a nickel. <laughs> Married 30 years and didn't start to support me until after he passed away. <laughs> uh, well, that's life. Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, uh, I wonder what's keeping chicken. Oh, I'm so anxious to meet her, Jane. She must be a wonderful girl, judging by the way Albert always describes her in his letters. Has she got a good head on her shoulders? Uh, well, she has a pretty head on her shoulders. But is she smart? Uh, well, she's, uh, uh... Oh, here, here's Irma right now. <laughs> Hello, honey. Hi, you chicken. Al, you are a 20th century fish and I've filled up with jelly. There are plenty of men who would like a blonde girl with a blue beard. <laughs> Hold it, chicken. Irma, this is my mother. Oh, yeah. Irma, please, I'm not so dumb. I'm glad they kept avoiding that question. Now, <laughs> who do you think you're kidding? Uh, what's new, Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Irma, listen, listen. This is Al's mother. She comes from Elizabeth, New Jersey. You... Oh, you mean... Oh... Oh, Al, I'm so ashamed I... Oh, well, Irma, it's gotcha. very hard for most people to believe that... Uh, Plain little lady like me could be the mother of such an important man. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Forget bygones, Irma. All right, and oh, and to think I was so angry. Why, I wasn't going to tell you that there's an extra check for you at the unemployment office. No, yes, you, you, you see, yes, they, they wanted Al to, to, to mm. check... On, on how many men he needs for his new uh, 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 magnesium plant. <laughs> I think it was um, 65,000. A magnesium plant? So many men. Uh, but, but yes, to, uh, to, to milk all them cows. <laughs> I'm going to make milk of magnesium. Let's all go out and have dinner, shall, shall we? Oh, that's a great idea, but, but it's got to be on me, understand? Uh, understand? <laughs> no, no, Al, no. You've been treating us to so many parties on your yacht and, uh, and, and taking us to theaters and banquets and everything, and, and I insist on paying. Well, I'll give in this time. This song won't make you class conscious. Here's my arm, Mother. Here's your ten dollars, Al. Let's go. dinner, and it's really a wonderful family gathering. Irma is terribly happy because she's just turned to the mother of the president of General Motors, General Electric, and General Mills and Points West and said, Please don't worry, Mother. When Al and I get married, you're not losing a son. You're gaining a wife. <laughs> and you know, if that makes sense to you, you're no better off than my friend Irma. My Friend Irma, presented by Swan, another fine product of Lever Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. 
Folks, next Monday evening, listen again to... Our friend, Swan. With my friend, Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. The part of Professor Kropotkin was played by Hans Conried. Ladies, listen. The shortage of fats and oils is still very serious, and it's worldwide. So please keep on saving every drop of used kitchen fat. Your butcher will pay you for every pound. Frank Bingman speaking. Tune in next week one hour earlier and listen to the Lux Radio Theater immediately followed by my friend Irma. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Lights Out, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Some of the best horror radio shows came from the writers of Lights Out. It was one of the earliest radio horror programs predating Suspense and Inner Sanctum. Tonight's episode features a submarine with royalty aboard. Arch Obler's Lights Out, everybody. Arch Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you. These lights out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. November of 1939. Astronomically, that isn't even a blink in the eye of the universe, but... It's a very long time measured in the length of our own very ephemeral lives. On that day, I aired our next story. Remember that date, 1939. A lot of heartbeats before we went to war against the madness of Adolf Hitler and his friend Benito. Listen to Bavisphere. is very quiet. Yes, Your Excellency. Will it be very quiet under the water? No motion, Your Excellency. I'm sure it'll all be very amusing. I hope so, sir. The captain ought to have everything ready by now, sir. If you'll excuse me now, Your Excellency, I'll go see. No, no, just a moment, Doctor. Yes, Your Excellency. Well, much too impatient, my dear young friend. One of the great joys of an experience is to savor it before it happens. Yes, stay and talk to me. As you say, Your Excellency. How far under will we have to go to break the record? Over half a mile. Uh-huh. How far at the bottom? Just over the record mark. Deeper than any man's ever gone. It'll all be very amusing. Suddenly the wind's changed. Always at this hour of the day, Your Excellency. It's time to go. I assure you that the sea will wait for us. But I am the thought that... Don't think so much, my young friend. Thinking is an unnecessary pastime. The emotions are much more dependable. My thoughts tell me that this little excursion under the sea will be quite precarious. 
On the other hand, my emotions tell me that it will be most interesting and amusing. Your Excellency, we are ready. Oh, Captain, you too are impatient, huh? I, I don't know what you mean. That is to say... No, no, don't splutter. Now, come ahead, my young and impatient friend. We'll go aboard your diving bell and begin our little adventure. Come. Attention. You see, Your Excellency, we are quite ready. Well, Doctor, is everything to your satisfaction? Did you put in an extra oxygen tank, Captain? Yes, sir. Everything just as you said, Doctor. The telephone communication been tested? Twenty times. Third flight? I assure you everything has been tested, Doctor. The winds go smoothly now. Why? Oh, yes, I believe. I don't want you to believe. I want you to know. But I assure you. Go and test it at once. Yes, Doctor. At once, Doctor. All right, then. Test number one. Aye, aye, sir. Test number one. Over it. Over there. Well, your thoroughness is most commendable, Doctor. We are going half a mile below the sea, sir. Nothing can be left to chance. The pressures down there are almost beyond imagination. Yes, I know, I know. Particularly on this dive, everything must be protection. You mean the record? I mean, Your Excellency, that your life is precious to the state. Yes. The press of the world has known me only as a record breaker in the world of what they so quaintly term power politics. By nightfall, they'll herald me as a record breaker in the world of science, eh, Doctor? If all goes well, Your Excellency. If you have doubts, no one can predict the ways of the sea. What are you talking about? We'll be quite apart from the sea inside of the steel ball, this, this part of sphere. Oxygen to breathe, telephones with which to communicate, light with which to see. Why should there be any question? Question of the human factor, Your Excellency. <laughs> You're as cautious as they said. I like that. I, too, am a cautious man. Oh, yes, indeed. My success has been based upon determining that the unpredictable cannot occur before I, until I say, embark upon my bold adventure. I'm talking quite frankly with you, eh, Doctor? Well, it pleases me to do so. For a few hours, we'll be locked up in that steel ball. There's no reason you shouldn't know a little about your leader, is there? You honor me, sir. For example... I know beyond the shadow of a doubt the steel cable which will drop us down beneath the ocean has strength enough to hold 50 such steel spheres as the one we'll be in. I know, too, that you have made, let me think, you've made 30 such defense towards the floor of the ocean without the slightest misadventure. The men on this cruise are there specially trained for the work. And with my life in their hands, I'm sure they'll be particularly careful on this descent. Hey, Doctor? There is no doubt of it, sir. All ready now, sir. Shall we go now, Your Excellency? Yes, of course, of course. Careful, Your Excellency. The deck is quite wet here. Well, thank you, Captain. Well, of course, sir. Thank you, sir. Attention! No, no, no formalities. Let the men go about their business so we can get started. Yes, Your Excellency. At your work, men. Would you like to get into the bathroom first, Your Excellency? No, no, after you. Quite a small doorway, isn't it? How fortunate we both small, lean men, Doctor. Lean men. Caesar once said something about that sort, didn't he? I don't know much about that sort of thing, sir. Oh, I didn't imagine, sir. Get in, Doctor. I'll follow you. Yes, sir. Head first into the steel wall. Quite without dignity, eh, Captain? Shall I help you, sir? No, no, I'll make it all right. You ready for me, Doctor? Come ahead, sir. And uh, careful of the bolt end, sir. Careful. 
of a watertight seal. My ears. All well in there, sir? What's that? A voice for the telephone, sir. They'll communicate with us from the deck every three minutes. If one of us doesn't answer within half a minute, the orders are to pull us up. An excellent safety precaution. Yes, indeed. All well in there, doctor? All well. We're moving. Yes. Lifting us out to the end of the boom, and then down we go. Look, sir, you can see the deck down there through the windows. Glass and clear clearest in the world. Quartz glass to stand the pressure. Letting us down in the water, aren't they? Yes, sir. In a moment. We're under. Yes, I... I turn the oxygen higher. The light. So green. Yes. Soon it'll be blue in a darker blue until at around 2,000 feet we'll be in a darkness that goes beyond dark. Complete eternal night. Eternal night under the water. How amusing. been watching the water. You said it would be at night. If it isn't black, it's, it's blue. Strangest blue. A few more hundred feet and uh, there will be no more color in the water, sir. The light out there. What? I can't quite make it out, sir. Perhaps some sort of a luminous plankton. <laughs> it's amusing. The fish is carrying along their own electric plant. The dark's alive with them, sir. Oh, look, sir. What? That small flat fish. You see? Even his teeth gleam with this luminous mucus. I've caught that thought in the trawls. They can eat organisms as large as they are. Wait, I'll, I'll turn on the searchlight and you'll see. No, 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 never mind. I didn't come under the sea out of any interest in those bits of fish. As you say, sir. They'll light up like a train in the dark. Or would the portholes of a boat be a more appropriate figure of speech? Well, seen one, seen them all. All well down there, sir? All well. 
How far down now? Ask him. How far? 1,350 feet. Right. Make good time, huh? Yes, sir. They lowered us very quickly, sir. A six-foot ball containing a very honest young man and the leader of the state. Headed for... What should we say, Doctor? A new record, sir. Is that as far as your imagination carries you? At the moment, I cannot say, Your Excellency. Now, perhaps when we reach the end of the cable, we'll discuss life and death very profoundly, eh, my friend? Philosophy under the sea. <laughs> Doctor? What? 
You say, sir, your excellency. Excellency? Here at the bottom of the sea? What? What's happened to you? All of a sudden, you... Ah, the excitement of creating a new record a little too much for you, eh, my young friend? Well, it's understandable. Now, seeing the ship and heaven draws up, your little adventure is over. Did you hear me? I said signal the ship. How? You're out of your mind completely. Telephone them. At once, you hear me? A telephone consists of a carbon transmitter, receiver, actuating battery, and connecting wire. We have no telephone. Get to one side. Hello. Hello out there. Hello. Hello, answer me. Hello. Hello, blast you, answer me. Hello. They don't. The wire's torn loose. Would you know how to fix it, Your Excellency? Huh? I see. It happened when we bumped on the bottom, didn't it? Well, can't you fix it? I can, but I won't, Your Excellency. What is this? It's taken you a great number of moments longer than I expected to ask that question. You notice that I've called you Your Excellency a couple of times, but that was the end of that. From now on, I will call you Your Infernal Excellency. How amusing. Still amusing. Yes. I don't believe it. You think it's some kind of madness on my part, that you'll do something about it. Not I, you. I? You have an emergency way of signaling. Yes, I know you have. You flash the searchlight on and off three times, and the flow of current registers up on deck, and they know that it's an emergency. I'll go ahead and do it, and perhaps I'll forget your little... Shall we call it... joke? I am quite content to stay down here. Turn on the searchlight. All right, I'll do it myself. Why waste your time? You've so little of it left. What do you mean by that? The searchlight, too, is disconnected. Why? There's no need of it. It will be best to die in the dark. Die? Yes. This is impossible. I investigated you, your record, your family, your associates. Clear record and state. You have no reason or the will to kill me. Kill me? It's very funny. A young, empty-headed fool killed me. <laughs> it's very amusing. You'll be afraid soon. Is it possible that you've forgotten the final emergency signal, you fool? Yes, I said signal. The signal of silence. I'll try the telephone to schedule, and when we learn our answer, they'll pull us up. Have you forgotten that? It's been more than three minutes since the last signal. If what you say is true... Why aren't we moving? We... We are. For all I know, we... We are. Are we? The darkness, who can tell if there's enough for motion? You know we're motionless. As quiet as in a tomb. Appropriate, then. And we'll stay here. I know that. Huh? That leave up on the roof that I pulled. Well? It's through the end of the steel cable, free. Yes, sever the cord between ourselves and the ship. And the world. No. We are here, Your Infernal Excellency. Down here to stay. No. You lie. 
I don't believe you. They'll pull us up. The telephone, here. Here, you up there, listen. Get me up. Get me up. You up there, hear me. It's your leader. Get me out of here. Get me out of here, you hear me? Get me out of here. Out of here. Oxygen left for another hour, and it takes you ten precious minutes of your precious life to believe. You do believe you're going to die now, don't you? Uh, I'm sure not to have every detail of the machinery, the record of every member of the crew. And I was one of those who was perfectly harmless. Yes, you've passed. Since a boy trained in the schools of the state... The father an official. Why do you do this to me? Why? Your ego is so great that even now, knowing you're going to die here with me, you're less concerned with death than you are with knowing wherein you failed. Answer me, why do you do this? You were trained in my schools, brought up to think the way you should think. Who up there made you do this thing and why? It will be a slow death. As slow as the death of my country. Answer me, who and why? Your mouth will bite for air. And there won't be enough to let you live, and yet there'll be enough so that you won't quite die. You'll tell me you will. Your lungs will reach up through your mouth. The breath of air, just another. There won't be another. And as you die, you'll know it. I want to know one thing. Why do you do this? Why, why, why? Yes, I'll give you your whys. You trained me in your school. And from morning to night, what went into my head was only what you decreed was right and proper for a good citizen of your eternal state to know. Yes, you crammed my head full. But there's one place you and your books and your speeches couldn't reach. My heart. Your heart? Yes, heart. You heard me, heart. My head said believe. My heart said no. My head said obey. My heart said no. That's where you made your mistake, you devil. You didn't start in young enough with me. For the heart that was born inside of me has brought you here to die. Sorry. I don't understand. Wait, I, I'll turn a little more oxygen on. That'll give me a little more strength to keep on telling you your fires and cut the breath left for you after I'm finished. What was I saying? Yes, that you didn't condition me quite well enough. You should have started with the embryo, for somewhere along the line a little humanity got inside of me that cried out against what you were doing. It grew and grew until it said you had to die. And you will die. Yes, here in the black under the sea. And they won't roll drums for you, march for you. Ended here. What have you to say to that? You fool. Fool? Is that all you answer? Yes, fool. You think I'm a fool to die here with you? You call me a fool when I know that ending here I give a new beginning to those up there. Yes, such a fool. Well, stop saying that. They won't say it back in the cities when they know that they're free. You fool. You think the freedom of me will make them free? Yes, yes, of course it will. I call you fool again. How do you think I became the head of the state? Through my great wisdom? I'm really not so wise. Through my great courage? No man has courage of that sort to stand up single-handed against the bullets and the bayonets of the entrenched powers. And how? How did I do it? With lies and ruthlessness and cruelty, I know. You don't know a thing. You saw the end result surrounded by pomp and circumstance and you couldn't see the means. All right, I know I'm going to die. A man is expected to die as long as I have. The actuality isn't quite as frightening as you might think. Since I am going to die, I'll have the one small satisfaction of showing you that you're an empty-headed fool. Stop saying that! Ah, you too have an ego. Apparently it's lived for weeks on how you'd make me plead and beg and squirm down on my knees. 
I had a few moments of hysteria, didn't I? You like that. You don't like this. My sitting in the dark so calmly telling you that you're a fool. I haven't failed. You're here. You fail because if you're killing me and yourself to give them back their freedom, whatever that word means, you're dying quite in vain. You're saying that because you'll think... No, don't talk. Listen to me. I'll tell you where you failed. I came into power not alone through my own strength, but because the conditions of our country were such that other men sitting on their wealth came to a decision that I alone could keep them there. But it was you... I tell you, listen... When an ancient rule of privilege is threatened, it seeks to live no matter what the cost. The cost of them was me, and they found me worth it. For I threw to the mass none of the wealth I'd worked to build, but only fighting phrases of prejudice and hate to cost the men who made me nothing but the rent of the halls for the simple to hear my opiates. And so I call you fool. Fool to die and fool to kill me. Well, the conditions that made me will still exist when I'm dead. You free them of me. What of hunger? What of ruthless exploitation? These will still be free up there to put hate and desperation into men. And so the ones who gave me power will find a new leader to stop the Romney's rebellion with all the tricks that I taught them. A new leader. You hear me, fool, or a new leader? No, it isn't true. It can't be true. It's so dark. If I could see your face to see the fool discovering he's a fool. They will be free. They will. They will. What magic do you think will come into the air when I'm dead? Will men forget that greed and say, Oh, we've quite enough. Not enough for everyone. Let each share according to his needs. No fool. With me or without me, the game will be played just as it always has been played. So you're a fool and die like one. I, well, what could I have done? I had to do something. I'll tell you what you could have done. You could have done the one thing that would have in time helped destroy not only me, but those who made me. You could have gone to the people. What? Yes, walked among them, worked among them. And at every chance whispered to them the things I kept from them. Most around your neck every time you opened up your mouth. And yet, in that talking of liberty and freedom and common decency and all the rest of that sort of thing, there's been far more meaning in this futile murdering of me. I've had them hunted down and shot each of those who dared to whisper among the people. But as they died, I didn't call them fools because I knew that they were wise. Not only through the will to live and do of the great bludgeoning mass of their people was their hope of making that new world they wanted. Oh, why have I bothered talking? Yes, Vicar. I'm tired. Had me something heavy, fool. Why? 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 More explanations? All right, the last one. You think I'm going to sit here and wait and count my every breath until the dark's crawling with horrors and I'm craw... No. I'll end it now quickly. Yes, faster than a bullet shot. Give me something heavy, I tell you. I'll smash the glass. The water, tons of it, smashing in. I'll be dead, 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 faster than the salt and never ended. Give me something to smash the glass or I'll... All well down there, sir?
listening tomorrow night it's nero wolf followed by our miss brooks thanks to joel schoenwell for technical support the executive producer of theater of the mind is moses neimer i'm frank proctor have a great evening this podcast is proudly produced and presented by the zoomer podcast network home of great podcasts like Marilyn lightstone reads idea city on the air and the garden show